that's an encouragement and a blessing to all of us, I know. And we, we like music, worshipful music that will set our hearts and minds on the Lord Jesus. We're glad to have a guest here this morning with us. Uh, we have Larry Owens and his family, Ruth and Josh and Caleb. And uh, first time to meet the boys there, except when they were really, really little. And that's been a long time ago. And then we have, of course, Dale and Annabelle and uh, Diana Barkybine. And uh, you made it back, Diana. We, we, we weaseled her off right away to Sunday school uh, to see if she could help back there a little bit. Did you get to teach, or what did you get to do? For a little bit? Okay, good. Oh, okay. All right, great. And uh, so it's a joy to see these folks here. They were a part of our Sunday school class. Uh, of course, we've been gone a little over seven years now, Dale. Doesn't seem like it, does it? But uh, And I don't know how many years you were in our class at Grace. For It was quite a while, though, before we left. And uh, then off they went to Philippines as missionaries. And, man, read their prayer letters and all that the, we've heard uh, from others there that's going on. It's just a great thing. Uh, mind-boggling in a way, isn't it, Gail? Uh, Dale, it's just uh, amazing. And the ministry that up in the mountains just uh, blows me away. We'll see what God's doing there, and it's just great. And I told him, when you get back, first thing, you land on the ground. <laughs> Let me hear from you. Well, I got a prayer letter and, and uh, had his phone number in it, and uh, so I called him, and we made arrangements for him to come by and share his ministry. You know, I remember at one point, uh, I think we may have given some books, or I can't remember if we came up with some funds to help send some of the Arlen's books down to you in the Philippines, because we got a supply of them back here in our office. We, we try to keep them some on hand, so, uh, and I've sent a whole I sent a big box to Larry there, too, down in Argentina. I think at the time I sent everything that Arlen had ever printed, plus a few others. And uh, so we've got an investment here, folks. And uh, we're, we're just really thrilled to have you be a part of this. Dale, if you just want to come up and take over, you've got the service. Do whatever you're going to do. Thank you so much for the opportunity and the privilege of being able to be here this morning. We have a short video, and after that, my daughter and my wife will say a few words, and then I'll come back up. Let me go ahead and get the video started. Hello, my name is Dale Bonson. I was born in Alaska in the 
then started college in Arizona where I received Christ as my Savior. I also began a walk with him through his word. After the death of my wife, I traveled doing mission building work. I met Annabelle when I was in the Philippines. After our marriage, God laid it on our heart to return as missionaries, which we did in 2010. God put a desire in our hearts to work with the island natives. They are called Igorots in the area where Annabelle's family resides in the lowlands. They generally live in the highlands, though, above Bosnia. This city is also in the mountains of the northern Philippines. Within a week after we landed in 2010, God brought one of them to the house where we were staying. The next week, we traveled to Ogun, the home where the Igoro and Francis lived. There we began to meet and build a church. It is amazing how God puts desires in our hearts to direct us in the way we should go and prepares the way for us as he leads us. The church has grown in spiritual maturity during our first term. We even were able to commission three young men and Ted Kennedy and Tom Dennison visited the world in February of 2014. They are the president of Titus International and Titus Arby's respectively. Two of the three men were saved and baptized in the church that we began in 2010. These three men graduated from the leadership school that they attended to the church before they were commissioned. They now lead the work while we are here in the States on furlough. God also used us to begin work in the lowlands where we now reside. These are in the hands of the local national pastor while we are here. Being a third world country, there is extreme poverty. Thus Paul in Corinthians as well as in Galatians said there should be equality in ministry. So we provide physical food after the spiritual food from the world. This is the same principle we use to begin the church in the Philippines. It is very successful in the Philippines. They began and continue to come because of the physical food, but as they grow spiritually, they realize the importance of the Word of God. Their lives and focus change from a physical focus to a spiritual focus as they spend more and more time in the Word of God. It is so exciting to see the hand of God work through us in the ministry. We have seen many answers to prayer as well as miracles beyond our control as we focus on Him and not on the physical things of this world, which are temporary. We are scheduled to return on January 26th and plan to focus on helping the three men to begin their own works and grow them as missionaries to their own people. While we are here on furlough, our desire is to raise a small amount of funds for these three men. Show me my needed savior, but also to be my beloved husband. Throughout 
marriage, God had to call me to go back to my people and minister to them. At first, I have been reluctant about going, but God has blessed me so much to refuse to call me. It has been four years since we surrendered our lives to missions, and it has been a blessing to see how God worked in people's lives. Being a translator, a mother, and a wife has been a great challenge, but it's been rewarding. It is so amazing to see His love, grace, and power in things that are too big to fathom, and also in little things that He only can do. Being in the mission field, we have some difficult times, but God is so faithful in bringing us through. It has made me mature as a person, but has drawn me closer to Him. I am looking forward to going back and continuing the work the Lord has called us to do.
Diana. Good morning, everybody. As you heard in the presentation, my name is Dehana Barkibine, and I'd like to thank you for letting me be here today. As I said, I was eight years old when my father, my mother, and I went to the mission fields. The children's ministry was started when we bought some Bible story coloring books at a, na- a local Christian bookstore. After a few months, I realized that the children I taught were learning more on how to color rather than learning the Bible stories. So I knew I had to start teaching them. During the four years that I've been there, I've learned to trust God more because the children's ministry would not be where it is now if I had not trusted God in his plans. The children have improved much. They're learning Bible stories, memorizing verses, and doing more than I thought they would be able to do in four years. But teaching is only one of my experiences. I've had experiences with weird seafood, weird vehicles, and learning two different languages, Tagalog, the national language of the Philippines, and Ilocano, our regional dialect. In the Philippines, there is immense poverty, and the children I teach do only have a few clothes each, some not even shoes. So out there in the lobby on our display table, I have a list of of things the children need if you would like to donate something. After the, uh, after the donations have been collected, we can come back to your church, or you may send them to our mission board, Titus International. Their address is on our prayer card, if you would like to pick one up. Thank you very much. Good morning to everybody. Um, I'm sorry if um, I will I will have some wrong grammars because uh, being in the Philippines for four years, I've kind of forgotten how to speak uh, English. <laughs> <laughs> and so now that we've been back, I've been trying to learn how to relearn how to speak English and also how to drive. <laughs> Because we don't have a vehicle in the Philippines, so um, just learning how to drive and speak English again. And um, thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to be here today and uh, share with you um, how God is working in the Philippines. It is so nice to be back on American soil again and eat American chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Um, looking back um, 14 years ago when I first stepped into this great country, um, this is where I started my new life to be with my wonderful husband and also to start my walk with the Lord. Um, one of the people from our church at Grace um, told me I looked like a scared puppy when I <laughs> when she first saw me which I was. I was very scared and uh, felt uh, lost in a uh, people who have different accent. Uh, they talk differently, and especially I don't see any more black hair, <laughs> like blonde hair. 
But it was um, very nice to be in America for uh, 10 years because I stayed in America for 10 years. When the Lord started working um, and calling us to go to the mission field, as I said four years ago, I was very reluctant uh, because... And I had so many excuses. I didn't want to go because I really like being in the States. And I felt like I was not talented enough to go to the mission field because all the missionaries I know, they can sing. I, I can't sing. And I don't know how to play not single, not a single instrument. So I was telling the Lord, Lord, how can you use me in the Philippines? But it took me a lot of uh, uh, prayers. I prayed a lot. And um, God really opened the doors for us to be able to go. And I know he wants us to go there. And so we did. And um, I am so happy I went because I found out I didn't need to have or to possess those talents. I just need to have a willing heart to go and uh, share God's word to the people in the Philippines who are lost. And it's so amazing to see um, all the miracles, the answered prayers that we have um, witnessed. And then being in the mission field, it has um, made me... Forgive me, I'm sorry... Um, it has grown me immensely um, uh, just uh, as a person and also spiritually. I, I feel more closer to the Lord than I was four years ago. Um, we have seen so many miracles and so many answered prayers, not because Team Barcubine, we always call the three of us, like a team, we always work as a team. No matter where we go, whatever we do, we always take our daughter with us, and she is always participating in the ministry, so we, we always call our team, Team Barcubine. With all the miracles and answered prayers that we have witnessed, it's not because we are awesome, but because we serve the living and powerful God. Um, during our first year in the Philippines, it was very difficult because um, since I stayed here in the States for a long time, I have forgotten the way of life over there. And I was, I've been spoiled <laughs> by my husband. Um, it was very different and very difficult because all the things that I've gotten used to do here is so much different in the Philippines, and um, we just had a hard time, but um, the Lord has been faithful in bringing us through, and he showed us and guided us where he wanted us to be. He just worked every detail of our ministry, and um, all we had to do was to trust him and to obey him. And be and have a close relationship with him. Um, it was also neat to see how God 
work in our daughter's life because she went over there knowing only a few people. She knew my relatives. She talked to them over the, on the phone um, while we were here. But the main thing was she didn't know a single word, word of our language. But uh, within a week uh, after we landed uh, there, she was playing with the whole, uh, with all of the kids in the neighborhood, speaking only English. And then um, after a few months, she was already talking nonstop in Tagalog, our national language, and Ilocano, our local dialect. It's so amazing to see how God just gave, gave her the ability to be able to adjust to a, a totally different culture and also to give her that ability to um, be able to learn the language. Because now... We can't stop her. She just talks and talks in Tagalog and Ilocano. And my poor husband, when um, my daughter and I are talking, and he would say, ah, what are you talking about? <laughs> and um, we will try to tra- translate in English, but it's just so natural for my daughter to just speak our language. And then she will uh, say two words in English, and then she will start talking in Tagalog again. And my husband's like, I'm lost. <laughs> But my husband is also doing a good job in learning the language. I can send him to the market, and I ask him to buy me some rice, and he will come back with a kilo of rice <laughs> and not something else. So he's, he's doing a good job considering his age. <laughs> because they say um, all dogs, what is it? It's hard to teach an old dog new tricks, but he's doing well. Um, Although we had some difficulties, it was a great advantage for us that I knew the language, so we can, uh, we were able to um, start our ministry without um, my husband and my daughter going to a a language school, and um, I thought uh, being a translator was an easy job. (laughs) But it wasn't. But God uh, is so good that he just, as as we build a relationship with him, he um, just tells us or open or guide us where he wants us. Um, When we go back in January, I am looking forward to see how God is going to uh, use us again and um, how he's going to increase our ministry. Thank you so much, and have a good day. Thank you again, as I said earlier. I want to share this morning a few things that are on my heart. First of all, I'd like to explain a little bit about our ministry. God is so good, 
And we are so excited on how the Lord has been and is using us. Within a week, when we landed, God brought the man Francis to the house. And we explained to him, because he was a full-blooded Igorot, and we explained to him what we were intending to do. Is this one on? Is this one on? Um, So he said, that'd be great. We want the help. So we said, okay, we'll come up next Sunday, and we will talk to the people and share our heart. When we reached the house where he lived, there were 77 people waiting for us. And we shared with them what we were going to do, how the word of God could change their life, and all that God was going to be able to do through them. And he did. Began right there. And they have grown immensely. It's exciting. That itself is a miracle. But as my wife shared, we have seen more miracles than just that. During Christmas of this last year, we were praying diligently. We didn't know how many people we were going to be able to have. We weren't even able to meet at the house. We had to meet under a lean-to at another location. So we didn't know what was coming and who was coming. But we were praying diligently. And the Lord laid on my heart, this is how, many you, how much food you're supposed to bring. This is how much bags you're supposed to bring to be able to divide it up for the people because we give them gifts of food after the spiritual food. Because the word of God is so much more important. But they are in poverty there. And the people need the help. And so we went over desiring to do that. When we got there that next Sunday, and I started speaking, before that, though, we started counting the bags We only had 52. I started speaking, and I counted 28 adults. I thought, okay, we can handle this. Then I started counting the children. Well over 30. And I thought, "Uh uh-oh, we got a problem. But I just kept speaking, and I was just praying, and asked God, you take care of it, because I can't. We have 52 bags to hand out to more than 60 people. It doesn't add. The math just doesn't work. So the Lord impressed on my heart. Start at the oldest. We have some of the men there are over 70 years old coming. So we said start at the oldest and work down to the youngest. And the Lord laid on my heart all the way down to three years old. And I thought, now we're really in trouble. Because now there's a great deal more. But I did that. And we were handing out bags. And I was shaking their hands, telling them welcome, thank you, and Merry Christmas, and handed them a bag. I got to the last person, the last little child. And I said, Dayana, I need one more. And she says, Dad, I have one more, and that's all I have. And it hit me right then. God just worked a miracle. And it broke my heart because I wasn't deserving Wow. I let the people know, and they were just in tears. God had fed all of them. 
even though we didn't have the provisions. We've also seen the weather change. We have no building. In Itogon, we have a house. The children meet out under a lean-to. But in the lowlands, we don't even have that. We meet under a tree. We have two seasons in the Philippines. Dry and wet. Each one about six months. During the wet season, this Bible, in four years, has never been wet even during the rainy season. We have another pastor that has a small church in the area that we tried to bring in and work with and help him. We've done some Bible studies with him and so on and so forth. Um, But he does a lot of the interpreting for us on Friday nights because Dayana is in school, so Annabelle works with the children until she gets out of school. And so Pastor Balsita came over to the house, and he said, because um, it was a Category 3 typhoon. Wind was high. The rain was immense. We were getting about 8 inches a day during that time. Well, that was a lot of rain. And he said, I think we need to cancel. And I said, no, we don't cancel until we ask the Father. He's in charge, not us. So we went to prayer. And as soon as we finished, we got up from the table, we stepped away from there, and we looked out the window, and three young children come down out of the mountain, out of the hill behind us, drenched. They looked like drowned rats. And they came to the door, so I went out, and they said, Pastor, you've just got to come. We've got a whole group of people up there waiting for you. I said, well, that's the answer to prayer. Pack the things and let's go. So we took off. As soon as we stepped out the door, it quit raining. It stayed dry all the way up. We had the service. We came back. Then it started raining again. God is good. He is so good. And we don't deserve it. In 2010, we had a list of goals about a whole page long of what we wanted to accomplish in the four years that we were planning on being there. God met every one of those on the list and a whole lot more. It's amazing. We also, over that four years, which is a miracle in itself, have multiplied ourselves several times over. And when we go back, we want to use that multiplying factor to be able to begin even more churches. We began one amongst the island natives, the Igorots, but we also began ministries in the lowlands. We wanted to live in Baguio, but God didn't open the doors. Everywhere we went, we tried and tried and tried looking for a place to stay in Baguio, up in the mountains with the, close to the Igorots and close to the church. The Lord just kept saying, no, not here, not here. Then one day, my daughter and I were out riding our bicycles because I like to ride for exercise. Uh, we were out riding, and we went down a little road where we never went before. And there was a sign there with some land that was for sale, foreclosed from a bank. And so we checked on it, and it was already sold. But I got to thinking, if we have one bank, 
there's going to be more than one bank that has foreclosed property. Let's try. So we went to several, and no avail. Finally, we went to the last one and a, where we had a ministry. We just stopped at the bank on the way to a Wednesday night service at the ministry. We asked them, I said, do you have anything? And they said, well, we have several pieces of property. I said, well, this is what we're looking for. They said, we have one. So we went and looked at it. It was beautiful. So I told Annabelle, I said, you have 30 more days. Go back up to Baguio, spend as much time up there as you want, travel around and looking for a place. If you don't find one in 30 days, we'll take this one. Nothing up there. So we moved in, and we built the house. And just as we finished it, just as we moved in, that's when Pastor Balsita came to the house and said, look, look, I've been praying for 10 years for a partner in the ministry. He said, my wife died about three years ago or two years ago. And he says, this is bigger than I can handle. Can you help? And I said, well, I'm real careful on who we partner with. I want to know where you stand on the word. So I went to one of his Bible studies and started explaining to him what we believe, and we brought, oops, it disappeared. There it is. Um, we, we brought this map to him and it started explaining it. He said, I've never heard anything like that before. And I started showing him scripture after scripture after scripture to back it up. And he said, that's amazing. He said, can you teach my church? I said, yes. And so we spent a year teaching the men and the leaders of the church about this. God has given this to me over a period of about three years, an immense amount of prayer as we matured in the word. So it's exciting to see what God is doing. Now, when we go back in January, we, the three men that we commissioned in February of this year, we'd like to be able to raise a small amount of funds for them. We're not trying to raise money here for us, but we are trying to raise money for them. Two of the men have no work because where they were working in the agricultural field, the owner of it decided to shut it down or make it smaller and start building condominiums up there. Well, she hasn't started the condos yet, but the men have lost their jobs. They, one of the men just had a newborn baby and has a special needs child as well. So he has three children and no work. The other man has two children and no work. So we've been praying on how to help them so that they can start works in their own area. The work is continuing there under the leadership of these three men that we commissioned. And so it's exciting to see that. We also, if you look at the display out there and you saw in the clip, two young girls, four years old, Renalyn and Raylin, both with a cleft palate, no money. One of the children, when the mercy ship was over there, got a little bit of the surgery she needed. The other one has had none. They're starting school this year, and they cry, saying, we don't want to go to school. 
because the children will laugh at us. And they will. They're not merciful at all. So we want to try to help them. We don't know what it entails. We've contacted a couple of doctors. We don't have any information yet. But through prayer, God answers prayer. And he will show us the right way. Also, we like to try to help a few of the typhoon victims. I was down there in December in the area where the typhoon had went through the hardest. And it just broke my heart, the devastation, and the people standing in line just for water. They would bring their little jug to get water, and that's all they would get for a whole day. I, I experienced it. We had three men staying in the house where we were, and our ration of water was 10 gallons a day for all three of us that were in that house. That included the showers. That included the drinking water. That included everything. And that was difficult. And uh, I experienced that. And I, I thought, I don't want to go through that again. Now, I'd like to open the word now. I'd like to look at an extensive amount of scripture. But I want to do an overview of it and hit it um, from the life of David. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, all the way to 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 11, we have David's life as king. David, in his time there, made some choices. And we'll look at those. But before we begin, let's begin with prayer. Father, you are holy and you are exalted. And may your name be lifted up from your word. Lord, we want to look deeply into it. And only by your hand guide us through it. In Jesus' name, amen. We are created for a purpose. From this scripture, you can learn that. David, during this time, made some choices, and we will look at those. But the purpose is revealed in God's word, and the map that was up here showed that. Maybe I can get it back here before it dies. Um, shows the purpose. You can see up in the left-hand corner, up at the top, God's the Bible, God's plan revealed. And then down in the lower part, you see what life is all about. You need to be wholeheartedly devoted to the word. Jesus himself is the word of God in spoken form. John 1 tells us that. The Bible is the written form. One is spoken, one is written. But it's, that's what makes the Bible so important because it's alive. It's powerful. So we are created for a purpose, and that purpose is revealed in God's word. Life is about choices. Each choice greatly affects our lives through the circumstances that are involved and the consequences from that. To make wise choices, we need the wisdom of God's word. 
Now, before we get on into 2 Samuel, let's turn over to Proverbs chapter 2, and let's read the first six verses. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. The word of God is the power we need in our lives to change lives. It changed those three men. I will share after the service with the pastor the letters of the vision that they have. One of those men was an alcoholic when he came, and he didn't even want to come into the service. But his wife told him, if something doesn't happen, I'm leaving with the children. So he came because he didn't want to lose his family. But he sat outside, and it took almost a year to get him inside, and slowly but surely, God started working on him. We gave him a Bible. He started reading it, and his life began to change. Now, he's one of those three men that we commissioned. It's a miracle in itself. Now, let's continue on and look at David in 2 Samuel. David is a man after God's own heart. In his youth, he had a spiritual focus. God used him in a miraculous way. In persecution in his 20s, God deepened his relationship in the Word and deepened his relationship with himself, with God Almighty. But as king, he had times of self-reliance. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, the first chapter, David makes some very poor choices. He made a choice of not going out when the others went. He made a choice of going up to the rooftop and looking over the village. He made a choice of adultery. He made a choice of murder. One of his own close friends, one of his mighty men, Uriah. Now, in chapter 12, Nathan, God Almighty, through Nathan the prophet, confronts him. Then in chapter, in verse 7, that's in verse 7 of chapter 12. In verse 10, God gives him the consequences of his actions. In verse 13, David repents and asks forgiveness. And God gives it to him. Verse 14 through 18, though the consequences still follow him. In 19, through the rest of that chapter of chapter 12, David's fellowship is restored with the Father, with God Almighty. But 
from chapter 13 all the way to 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 11, at his death, those consequences still follow him. The sword shall not depart from your house. So we need to urgently be in the word. Choose to know God through it. Make that commitment to immerse yourself in the word of God. It's got power. Hebrews 4.12 says it's alive, it's powerful, and it divides the soul and the spirit. We need to be spiritually focused and not solically focused on the physical things of this world. The Bible is more than a storybook. It's a lesson book for our spiritual life. So you need to love the word. Job 23, 12 says you need to love it more than your physical food, the nourishment that you need to sustain physical life. You need to carry it with you so it's always available. You need to read it at every chance you get. I carry it. I carry a backpack and I carry my Bible everywhere I go in the Philippines. And we do ride public transportation. So we wait quite a bit at a time. It's a slower pace than it is here. So you need to love the word. You need to learn the word. In Deuteronomy 31, 12 and 13, Moses tells the children of Israel, you need to know it. You need to live it. You need to learn it so you can teach it to your children. Joshua 1.8 says, meditate on it day and night. It's that important. So you need to love the word. You need to learn the word. And you need to lean on the word. Because our life here is being wholeheartedly devoted to the word of God and not to the physical things of this life. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Don't lean on your own understanding, but lean on God. Trust Him. John 1 and Revelation says that the Word of God in the beginning was spoken, and it became flesh, and Jesus Himself is coming back. So you need to love the Word. You need to learn the Word. You need to lean on it, and so that you can live it. And that's where the rubber meets the road. Luke eleven twenty eight 28 tells us that you need to hear it, but not only hear it, obey it, keep it. Then you'll be blessed. We need holiness in our life. The biggest enemy to spiritual growth is our self-satisfaction of our self-righteousness. When I was teaching over there in the high school, they asked me, how can we get to heaven? And I was explaining to them, how do you know you're going? And they said, oh, we keep the Ten Commandments. And I said, where are they located? They said, it's in the Bible. I said, where? We don't know. I said, what are they? We don't know. I said, if you don't know the word... You don't know God because he's here. And he shows us himself. He reveals himself right here. 
So we need that sense of urgency because Jesus is coming back very soon. And we need a sense of urgency to be in the word, to know him through it. And then we will be led by the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed unto man once to die after this, the judgment. Judgment is coming for each and every one of us. And we have a finish line in each life. The rapture may come before that. We'll be caught up. That's still a finish line. So this life is a race. We need to keep our eyes focused on the finish line and the judgment beyond. And the only way we'll be ready and be for that accountability that we're going to be standing for is to immerse ourselves in the Word. Do not neglect the Word of God. Don't neglect the spiritual focus of our life. So many people say, well, why can't we have both? But Matthew says, and Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, there isn't any way. You can only have one God. You can't have both. You cannot focus on the physical and the spiritual at the same time. They're diverse apart from each other. We need to focus spiritually and not physically. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we ask that you change our lives. Focus our lives on you through your word. And may your name be praised and honored in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor. Amen.